This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One game, an NBA Finals seventh game. One game, the difference between basketball immortality and crushing disappointment. One game, a chance to become a legend, a hero, a champion. What motivates me now more than ever is winning another championship. It's going to take heart. It's going to take an uncanny amount of energy and strength. To win a championship, it was one of the most emotional times of my life because that's what I play for. One game, a chance for a legacy to grow. One final game, a season-long journey draws to a close. Top of the world! Top of the world! Hello and welcome back to the Over and Back Classic NBA podcast at harvardproxism.com. I am Jason Mann, and with me as always is Rich Krejci. Rich, glad to be with you. Absolutely. We uh, we finally, the end of our journey of, of, you know, breaking down these Game 7s, and we've come, like the NBA season, to the final point, the NBA Finals. And this is uh, going to be a monster kind of series of shows we're going to do here. And I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it, though. A lot of a lot of research, a lot of work put in, and, and it's just good information, too. I mean, what's better than a NBA Finals Game 7? Like, come on. Yeah, so, so we're going to do uh, something a little different. We're going to do some um, bite-sized um, looks at uh, the uh, Game 7s of the NBA Finals, all 18 of them. We're going to do an eight-part series, uh, breaking down two or three each show. So, um yeah, we think it'll be interesting. It'll be kind of a, it'll be neat to look at. Uh, there's obviously a wide variety of uh, of games, although many of them involve the Lakers and the Celtics. So we're we'll talking about unfortunately, lost, but, but <laughs> that's okay. But that's gonna happen. It's gonna be history. So it's like if we did a baseball, but we talk about the Yankees probably like seventy percent of the time. It's just you can't. There's nothing you can do, nothing right? You can do no. So uh, you blame the Hawks for trading Bill Russell, I guess. Them. Right. Yeah, it's all their fault, really. Yeah. It's really the St. Louis Hawks' fault. It really is, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so um, so we'll be getting into that soon. But, of course, you can uh, check us out on uh, Facebook at uh, Over and Back NBA, on Twitter at Over and Back NBA as well. Um, you can uh, find uh, the Hardwood Paroxysm I- iTunes feed um, 
with all the uh, with us and all the other great uh, Podium Game podcasts that are on there. It would be great if you could uh, leave a rating and review uh, on iTunes. It helps yes. people find that, the, uh, the, exactly. the shows. Yeah, and yeah, uh, more people listening, more people interacting on Twitter, more fun, more you know topic requests and stuff. It's perfect. Yeah, just do so it. We would, Come on. Any <laughs> uh, right? Any feedback that we can get uh, on uh, what we're doing, uh, positive or negative, we uh, we definitely appreciate it. So uh, that's what makes the show better. Yeah, and if you have any topic ideas, I mean, and I mentioned that sort of haphazardly, but it, it's true. I mean, there's been numerous shows where someone said, hey, it'd be pretty cool if you guys talked about blah, blah, blah. And then we like do a little cursor research and we're like, yeah, that would be a great show if we talked about blah, blah, blah or whatever. So let us, you know, what's your blah, blah, blah? Yeah. <laughs> Send it. We'd like to Send know. Send us your blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on to the show. All right, and we are starting off. We picked uh, this as the number 18 uh, game seven uh, in the NBA Finals of all time. The Boston Celtics against the St. Louis Hawks in 1960. Uh, they It was 122 to 103, the Celtics winning that series. Uh, you know, even though this went seven games, it was a pretty dominant effort by Boston. Um, the Celtics had won a record uh, 59 games that season. It was a 75 game season still, but still uh, an impressive record. The Hawks not nearly really as uh, strong of a team. Uh, the Celtics, it was their second straight title, their third and four years. And um, they had beaten the uh, the Hawks in, in 57 already. And they would beat them again in uh, 61. So, um Pretty monster uh, box score there, especially by uh, Bill Russell. Yeah, and and one of the big takeaways for this game really is when you look up and down these rosters at these two teams, you might just kind of think, okay, yeah, the Celtics or whatever, but the Hawks. I mean, there's they're no slouch either. I mean, there's a lot of Hall of Famers in here, a lot of early NBA, you know, top 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 tier guys. And yeah, as you mentioned, uh, you know, Bill Russell had a, a, a fantastic game here. Um, Kuzi had a solid game as well. He uh, yeah. unfortunately the the newsreel footage that we saw was was pretty fantastic. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit, right. but uh, yeah, it was it was it was very funny because the newsreel footage was like, "Here's Bob Kuzi having a great game. Bob Kuzi's the best." And then the end is like, "The man of the hour is Bob Kuzi because who else would it be?" And it's like, "Well, I mean, yeah. Bill, Russell Bill Russell had 35 rebounds in this game. <laughs> he had 35 so, rebounds yeah. and 22 points. That was pretty like, good. Like I, I I don't know. I mean I." I the man of the hour might be that guy who almost had 40 rebounds, but because I think the news, the exact quote is the man of the hour is Bill Cousy uh, or Bob Cousy. Who else? And I was like, well, I mean, yeah, it, it, I, I have a, I have a theory of who else it could possibly be. But. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's funny because of course the, I mean, Russell's the guy we think of, I think first for the, the dynasty Celtics for all the reasons. Sure. But I mean, I think Cousy was sort of the bigger mainstream star at the time. He was kind of one of the bigger, you know, players. This was still relatively early in Russell's career. And I, I don't know what that newsreel was for. If it was, you know, like who was sure. Yeah. We, we have no idea. Yeah. I mean, they're obviously going to distill that into as a simple form as possible, but yeah, I mean, Cousy's literally the only player mentioned in that, uh, in that <laughs> newsreel at all, you know, um, for either team. So, and Ramsey had a great game too. 24 and 13. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and Bob Petter for the Hawks, 22 and 14. He was there. Um, he was a star of uh, that game. Uh, quite a rebounding disparity in that uh, game. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. And, and one of the best things about the Hawks box score is uh, everybody scored in double figures except for the two guys who didn't score at all. Yes. And that's it. Yes. <laughs> it's like exactly. you either scored in double figures for these St. Louis Hawks or you didn't score at all. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, th those guys, I mean, I barely played any minutes, so that really wasn't, you know, relevant. But, yeah, still, it, it's it's pretty uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, Bob Pettit had a great game. Um, uh, Chuck Hagan, who a guy, you know, we've talked about numerous times on this. Uh, podcast had a solid game but yeah it was, it's it, it, the newsreel footage is pretty fun to watch and it seemed like a pretty fun game but as you said it was 
it was a game seven, but it was really a lot. I mean, you, you saw looking at the box scores and looking at the stuff that it, it was a Celtic series in a lot of ways. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they, you know, they the 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 games they lost were very close. The games they won, they they blew out pretty well. So it was definitely the Celtic series. They were lucky to uh, get six. And honestly, even before the series, Ed McCauley, who was the Hawks coach, uh, he was a former Celtic. In fact, he was part of that trade for Bill Russell. He and uh, Cliff <laughs> Hagen were in that trade. And, and granted, McCauley and Hagen were both Hall of Famers. So it's not exactly like. You know, I mean, you know, you you lose in any trade for Bill Russell, but at least the Hawks did, you know, kind of well in that trade. But anyway, uh, Ed McCauley was at this point the coach and, uh, you know, he publicly said, oh, yeah, we're going to beat the Celtics. And privately, he told his wife, hey, we'll be lucky if we won one game. So and they won three. So they were lucky. Three <laughs> so times. there you go. Yeah. yeah. So, hey, um, you can slip it. Right. Yeah. And there were all told, including the coaches, there were 12 future Hall of Famers playing in this game, plus uh, Larry Faust and Slater Martin, who um, were injured for the Hawks and at the end of their careers. I think Slater, I think Martin was injured in the series, in fact, um, or maybe at the end of the other series. But either way, he was, um, and he was a guy who really made it hard on Kuzi. He was, you know, mm-hmm. defen- uh, known defensively. He was a guy, he was part of the Minneapolis Lakers dynasty. So he was, uh, you know, been a star for a while. Um, and um, uh, yeah, it, I mean, uh, Boston out-rebounded St. Louis here, 83-47. Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah. just incredible wealth of talent, as you're going to get in most of those Celtics series, because the Celtics had a lot of guys getting the Hall of Fame. When you have eight-plus championships for most of those players, you know, it's it's easy to understand. Um, there's an interesting post in Hardwood Houdini um, where kind of talking about, you know, linking 1960 is sort of, sort of the season where Russell truly took over the team. Um, mm-hmm. He... Uh, decreased the scoring gap significantly in this game. He started becoming, in addition to, of course, the rebounding and defense, he was not the leading scorer on the team, but was close to that. I mean, he was 18.2 points a game. So he was shouldering that load in addition to the other stuff that he had. And it was really kind of the time in which, um, you know, he was starting to become the, you know, the guy for the team. And, you know, guys like uh, Kuzi and Bill Sharman were more toward the end of their careers. You know, they would retire around 62, 63 ish. So, yeah, and he's he's what twenty five, I believe, this year too. So right. so you have yeah a guy kind of coming into his peak, you know, physical and, and athletic peak or whatever. And yeah, it, he and the Celtics really would never look back, you know, from this year. And it was it was a big part of of you know them going forward. But yeah, it, it's it's it, it it's a it's a fun series for a lot of reasons. I mean, it, it's I, I definitely do think yeah I, I agree with the Herbert Houdini that it was really in a lot of ways and and statistically you see that a little bit as well that that really was when Russell took that next step up and and really became. Not that he wasn't really good before, but really became that next level great. Yeah, that we kind of all know today. I and mean, I mean, he was still an all star before that, and still, you know, very, very good. But yeah, it's so first time where you really see him taking that and, and shouldering that big load, especially uh, scoring as well, where, where he started kind of doing a lot more on that end. Yeah, and uh, you know, I was kind of surprised. I mean, there are, for the most part of these, you know, Celtics um, series, at least up until like '66, most of what we have on YouTube is just like snippets and like clips. Mm-hmm. There aren't necessarily like full games or full quarters of it but what we saw i mean russell was definitely they were like getting it down to him on the post and running plays for him on in the post which i mean i, yeah. I guess isn't that much of a surprise but i've always thought of russell as more like you know, he got a lot of his offense through you know putbacks and you know stuff on the fast break and and that kind of thing and they weren't necessarily running the offense um through him but at least in somewhat in the limited uh video we saw they they definitely were doing that you know even though yeah there was 
there was a lot of back to the basket sort of stuff, which is is pretty interesting. And yeah, of, of just like sort of what modern. I mean, not very much different than from what modern post play is like, where you know they kind of put it down to him. He would sort of work and work and work. And you know, we saw a few of the, the reels that they showed, and and yeah. you know, it wasn't like an unbelievably efficient from there. But it was it was interesting to see because yeah, I always yeah. there's always that you know the narrative that he just kind of you know get the rebound and chuck it down to Kuzi, and then like if they didn't make it, then he would kind of run down and be like, all right, well here I'll do the putback or whatever. yeah. And yeah, from that limited, I mean, granted it's it's all we have but sure. from what we saw yeah it wasn't that at all it was it, you know yeah and he definitely you know there were elements i mean of he was sure, running, it running the fast break or finishing on the fast break and you know doing all that, that stuff as well but it was interesting just to kind of see you know what we saw of yeah, yeah. yeah they were kind of running things through him as well so shall we go on to the next game absolutely i think we're ready all right it is the uh minneapolis lakers against the new york knicks in 1952 uh the lakers won 82 to uh 65 this was the <laughs> Lakers' uh, third title in four seasons. The, the first of they would end up winning three in a row, um, and this was the um, the Knicks' um, second of three finals losses in a row. So um, Lakers and Knicks meeting quite meeting a decent amount in uh, yeah. the finals, and obviously the George Mike and Lakers were the NBA's uh, first dynasty. And uh, I thought something interesting here, just kind of showing the place uh, in which pro basketball had at the time. Game seven at the Minneapolis Auditorium was the only game on either team's home <laughs> floor because of scheduling conflicts. So um, all, all the <laughs> sorry, the circus is here. Yeah, yeah so. all the Knicks games right, were instead of Madison Square Garden, they were at the they were at an armory they played at um, somewhere, and then the Minneapolis games were all in St. Paul, which I think that was pretty a that was a kind of a common occurrence for the uh, Lakers for whatever reason, you know, there was something going on at, in Minneapolis mm-hmm. auditorium during their um, playoff run. So <laughs> and a good reason why they said, you know what guys, we're going to go to another place. Yeah. <laughs> you enjoy the Timberwolves in like 30 years. So or like 40, 50 years. Bye. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was, it was, it's pretty interesting. Cause I, it, you know, speaking of that, I, if you look at the box score or at least what we have, the newspaper clipping uh, from that 1960 series, the previous one we talked about, uh, it said the announced attendance was over 13,000, which is, is, is pretty fun to see that, you know, maybe, and, and without knowing, you know, I, I, I'm not privy to, you know, the attendance records of, of, of NBAs or whatever, but, you know, NBA history or whatever. But looking at this, you know, a, a thing where the guys couldn't get in their own freaking buildings versus, you know, by the end of the decade, the Boston putting 13,000 in, in an arena to see the finals kind of shows, you know, the rapid growth that, that the NBA did have around this period. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So, and the Knicks had not won in 11 tries in Minneapolis Auditorium spanning four seasons. So that was a hard place for them to play. Um <laughs> Uh, George Mikan had 22 points and 19 rebounds in this game. Uh, pretty good. Uh, Jim Pollard, who was kind of the you know second or third best um, Laker during that um, Lakers dynasty, probably second best player. Mm-hmm. He had 10 points all in the fourth quarter. The Lakers also had uh, Vern Mickelson and Slater Martin, who were uh, Hall of Famers. Um, and they were coached by John Cudlow, who uh, was basically the Lakers coach throughout that period and in, in, in into the 60s before they left for uh, Minnesota, where he he coached the University of Minnesota. So uh, yeah. Minnesota guy. <laughs> yeah, he was not leaving. I'm <laughs> not, not an L.A. guy at all. So. And the Fine. the Knicks were led by uh, Max Zaslowski, who he had 21 points in the game. And he was definitely like a uh, all NBA first team guy all, or like second team guy for the um uh, the late 40s, early 50s. So he was a pretty big star um, during that time. Um, and Hall of Famer Dick McGuire um, was there as well. And his brother Al McGuire, who was later a famous Marquette coach, and but but at, at, as a player was known as a designated hacker, which pretty much like every team had one pre-shot clock where basically they were there to foul. Yeah. So 
They also they also <laughs> had Hall of Famers uh, Harry Gallatin and uh, Nat Clifton, um, and uh, they were coached by uh, Joe Lapchick, who was a uh, one of the original Celtics as a player, kind of was uh, known as the uh, best big man of his era in the uh, 30s, and also was uh, a famous coach for the Knicks and St. John's in the Northeast. So, yep. And um, the uh, the Knicks er- or excuse me, the Lakers earned uh, seventy five thousand dollars or I'm sorry, seven thousand five hundred dollars to uh, yeah, don't don't shortchange yeah, these to, guys. To, to split amongst themselves for the uh, for the victory. So big money there. Well, I mean, that's probably. What is the, I'm gonna look at the inflation. Uh, I'm actually looking at that right now. I don't know why I didn't just look at this before. Let's yeah. put the old inflation calendar and see sure. what that old 7,500 would be. And uh, so, okay, so, so uh, that's sixty-four thousand okay. dollars split for for I mean, ten guys. Yeah, <laughs> not not great, sure. but yeah. you know, you know, I mean, I would take it. Bad. It'll buy a buy a some soda at the, <laughs> the old soda fountain. So. <laughs> yeah, get you get you two little nickel candies and a you know. Uh, you know, don't, uh, you know, don't, you know, that's not get uh, you the, the afternoon edition of the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the Minneapolis times sure. and then a uh, nice little malt. I mean, I don't know what else you need. I, really. I, I don't know. Maybe it's the fifties. There's not much going on. So. <laughs> yeah. Get the afternoon paper and a malt and you're fucking and some olive burger and you're good. That's yeah, it. Done. Absolutely. Day over. I mean, what else? That's your day. There you go. So, yeah. So, um, maybe they could take a week off of their <laughs> off season job for, <laughs> take the kids out of vacation nice vacation but, you know. hey <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, go to the grand canyon get the get in the station wagon and go uh ride the old dusty trail but uh yeah the, i think it's enough 1950s all right, so jokes, go. I, <laughs> right now, so. jokes in quotes <laughs> yes um so our number 16 pick is the uh, boston celtics against the uh, milwaukee bucks in 1974 the celtics winning 102 to 87 um and the I thought it was kind of interesting to see the the contrast of styles between these these teams. Uh, the Bucks were more of a half court team, of course, focusing on mm-hmm. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the low post. And, Rightfully so. Yeah, <laughs> probably which, a good idea. Yeah, it makes sense, obviously. Uh, and Bucks uh, were coached by Larry Costello, and their assistant was Hubie Brown. And they were known for like a which it really understand makes you understand yeah. how because we'll, we'll bring up in, in future shows because he comes up in a lot of the highlights that we watched of other things of like late 2000s NBA finals. And I was just thinking I was watching a video yesterday and I was like, man, I really miss Hubie Brown doing, you know, TV commentary. He's still on the radio, too, which is great. Yeah. He's one of my is, yeah. you love him as a. Oh, a yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he okay. did some I, of the playoff games early, like in the early rounds. But yeah, he doesn't do the you know, he's not in the finals anymore. He yeah, he's not, he's finals, not the main but, yeah. Yeah. And I love the him. He's yeah, he's the best. the best. Yeah, absolutely. He's my favorite. Yeah. Absolutely my favorite, far and away. So next to Bill Walton, but you know, right. we can't have. Oh, I yeah, I'm not as big a fan of Bill Walton. As no, I, I'm joking. So, I don't really like Bill right. Walton that much. Right. I'm just, he's okay. Some he's, people he's love Bill Walton. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't love. I like, I don't mind him. Yeah. Like, I think it's kind of funny and offbeat or whatever. But like in certain situations, like give me a guy like Hubie Brown, you know, nine out of ten times yeah. than, than a Bill Walton. But yeah, I, I agree. So um, anyway, uh, the uh, the Celtics were they were coached by Tom Heinsohn. And they were a smaller, kind of more uh, pressing and running team, more, you know, freelance, loosey-goosey type thing. They, they were not necessarily as structured, I guess, as the uh, as the Bucks were. And hmm. the starting front line for the uh, Celtics were 6'7", six, 6'8", six, and 6'5". So they were not a big team, as in, of course, um, Dave Cowens, who was 6'8", having to battle against... Um, 
against Kareem, who is seven two. Uh, was very difficult, but yeah, we'll do it. And he, did, well. he did pretty good job. Yeah. He did a really good job. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm shocked he got any rebounds, let alone 14. So that, that was pretty good. And yeah, you would think Kareem would that they would kind of say, hey, look, you know, Kareem's going to score every time, but let's stop the other guys. You know, Kareem got 26, but you know, he missed what 11 shots. Like that's pretty remarkable when the guy who's guarding him is you know a good four, five, you know, six inches shorter than him, which is is pretty crazy, especially prime Kareem. I mean, this isn't like you know late old Lakers Kareem, right? I mean, this is. Prime, prime Kareem here, and yeah, that's it's Dave Collins. You can hang his head on that for sure, because oh, yeah. that's a, I mean, it's a hell of a game. Dave Collins is a great player as well. Um, and this game came after the classic game six in Boston, where uh, Kareem hit a game winner, uh, a long baseline skyhook in in double overtime. Uh, the um, so the Celtics were on the road here in Milwaukee, um, and this ended up being the first game seven won by a visitor in Finals history. Mm-hmm. Wish remember that for uh, future episodes we do because uh, it does not happen often. No, and uh, as you mentioned, Cowens had twenty eight and fourteen, um, and Kareem had uh, twenty six and twelve, but shot 20, 10, 10 of twenty one. Um, Oscar Robertson was two of thirteen for six points. This was his final game. He was thirty five, obviously, you know, uh, toward the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Havlicek was only six for six of twenty, but he did have sixteen points and nine rebounds. Ended up being the MVP of this series. Um, the Celtics, uh, their top players were Jojo White, Paul Silas, uh, Paul Westfall, Don Chaney, and Don Nelson. Um, Chaney and White were really instrumental in, you know, the, basically the strategy for most of the series for the Celtics was just having the, um, the guards, you know, um, full court press the Bucks guards because Oscar was so old and they didn't, and Lucius Allen had torn up his knee slipping on a warm jersey just before the playoff started. So the, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, so yeah, the um, the Bucks didn't really have a lot of good options there, and it, it didn't cause a lot of turnovers, and it worked very well. But actually, the uh, the strategy um, uh, they decided to uh, switch it after Game Six. Bob Cousy had the idea of abandoning the uh, Celtics single man coverage of Kareem and go for more double and triple teams, which kind of freed Cowan to do more on offense, uh, which worked obviously very well. the uh, The main guy. Um, Paul Silas was kind of responsible for, uh, you know, kind of being the help guy for, um, for, the, for the Celtics and, uh, mm-hmm. the Bucks, you know, their key guys were Bob Dandridge, um, John McLaughlin, Mickey Davis, and, uh, Curtis Perry, but they were definitely a, a thinner team than the, um, you know, the Celtics were at this point, especially without Lucius Allen and Oscar being so old. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and Oscar got a lot of, you can sort of, I mean, without seeing a lot of the video, cause I mean, we have a decent amount, but not, you know, a, a full game film or whatever, but it seems like a lot of those shot attempts that Kareem, you know, if he was passing out of those double triple teams went to Oscar and he just was, just couldn't do anything with it. I mean, yeah. the second most shot attempts on the team and, you know, two of 13. So, and it wasn't like a particularly all that close of a game either. So it's not like, you know, if, if Oscar just hits, you know, cause some people, you know, if he could just hit, you know, one or two more shots that could win i mean it would have taken a lot i i right. i don't think that team was going to probably win but no. you know hey that's, that's okay and, and you know they were um you know because because that th- this was the the you know this was a day and a half after that double overtime game because it was an afternoon game so yeah so it, yeah i mean kareem in particular was exhausted and i mean everyone should have been tired so it's, it's it's understandable everybody would be on that but you know kareem later admitted like you know i was just so tired i just you know couldn't do what I wanted to do in this game. And, um, you know, they, they did, um, I, the Celtics broke the game open 53 to 40 at the half. The Bucks did rally briefly and got it fairly close, but they ended up losing 102 to 87. So like I said, it wasn't close. And this was, um, 
basically the end of the line for the Bucks. Um, Oscar, as we mentioned, would retire. Uh, Kareem would only play one more season before demanding a trade to the uh, to the Lakers, and um, you know, ending what we've talked about before as like you know, just a, a tremendous uh, you know five year or so run for the uh, Bucks, where they were you know one of the greatest regular season teams of all time, but you know only only won one championship. Mm-hmm. And the Celtics would win another title in uh, 76 before, you know, um, Havlicek and Cowens aged and uh, they sort of transitioned into the bird era. <laughs> Stupid Celtics. though no, they're it's not it's not fair. It is not fair. like, you know what? It's going to take a few years until we have another superstar and we start winning some titles again. So hopefully you guys are just be patient. Just just chill out. But I guess they had the 90s. So, yeah, I can always live on that. So, yeah, there you Good. go. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll be back to talk about more Game 7 soon. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.